בכל דור ודור חייב אדם לראות את עצמו כאילו הוא יצא ממצרים, שנאמר, והגדת לבנך ביום ההוא לאמור, בעבור זה עשה השם לי בצאתי ממצרים. We're familiar with that phrase that from the Haggadah. Uh, it's actually a Mishnah. Uh, we quote the Mishnah of Rabbeinim, the Mishnah in the 10th parak of Pesachim, that tells us the various things we have to do to fulfill the mitzvah of Sipur Yitzhi. It tells us this idea that behold, Dor Vador, in every generation, Chayav Adam, the wrote that Tatsmo, a person is always obligated to see himself or herself, Ki'iluhu Yatsami Mitzrayim, as if he or she left Egypt. It's like a cliche. We say it all the time. If you stop and think about it, um, it's actually a somewhat strange idea. First of all, this is not the way we ordinarily approach things, right? We have various times during the year when we, uh, when we commemorate various events in our history. Just a few weeks ago, we observed Purim. And what's the bracha we said when we read the Megillah? Sha'asa nisim la'avoteinu bayanimahen bazman azeh. Now there's, it's only, it didn't happen to us. I don't have to, I don't have to view myself as if I was saved from Haman. No, this is something that happened over 2,400 or so years ago, maybe more. And we commemorate the fact that right? Uh, similar on Hanukkah, we say very similar bracha, etc. Here, here we're told, So first of all, the question is, what, what makes Yitzhak Mitzrayim different? than these other things. Number two, what does it even mean? Let's be honest. Has anybody here actually been to Egypt? Nobody? Okay, me neither. Um, so, if I've never even been there, what, is it, what would it even mean to see myself as if? Am I, am I supposed to play some kind of a game with myself? Now, the Rambam, the Rambam has a slightly different text of the Mishnah. The Rambam writes, Bechol Dor Vedar Chayav Adam, and assumedly this is the text that he had in the Mishnah, because that's the way he, he writes it in his Sefer, Chayav Adam Leharot Etatzma, to sh- make oneself appear, to show oneself, as if he left Egypt. That's a little bit easier, right? According to the Rambam, perhaps I'm supposed to put on some kind of a demonstration, or in some way to externally uh, represent something. But the text that we have doesn't say that. It says, Lirot Etatzma. Right? That means that I'm supposed to feel as if I left Mitzrayim. And again, we don't say that about other things, so we need to understand what this means. And I think, I think it means more than, than meets the eye. So let's, I want to put that aside. Leave that question hovering. I think that's a good way to give things. Maybe people actually stay focused now, because we'll, towards the end of the year we'll try to answer that question. I want to talk about the Shalosh Regalim, of which, of course, Pesach is one of three. Right? What are the Shalosh Regalim? I assume we all know what's here. Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot. Okay, those are the names that you used. Okay, let's, let's remember those names. Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot. And what do they commemorate? Pesach commemorates? Tzavitzrayim. Shavuot commemorates? Mamad Harsinai, Matan Torah. And Sukkot? The Sukkot that we build in the bar. Okay, those answers are certainly correct. Certainly correct. Um, based on the Gemara, based on our Tfilot, we use those names and we... At least we, Pesach, we say, Zman Cheruteinu, that clearly refers to Yitzhak Mitzrayim, Shavuot, we say, in our Kiddush, and in Tefillah, Zman Matan Torateinu. Sukkot, we say, Zman Simchatoinu, we'll have to understand what that word means. 
and um, and um, uh, but but it does say explicitly that the Sukkot are to remember the Sukkot uh, in the that we lived in the midbar. Okay, fine. So good. That's what we that's what we do, and those are the shalosh regalim. If we look in the Torah, it's more complicated. The shalosh regalim appear in the Torah at least four or five different times. We're going to look at two of them. They have different names in the various sections, and they're presented to us somewhat differently. Everything we just said, almost, not all of it, almost everything we said is somewhere in the Torah. Some of it is only in Chazal. And there's a lot of other things in the Torah too. Okay, so let's take a look. Um, I asked to put out Humashim, if you have, or else if you have in your phones, you sent out the yes. thing, the source sheet, or if you could just pull up a Tanakh on your phone, whatever you want. Let's take a look at the Psukim in Shmot Perk Gimel. This is the first place that the Shalosh Regalim appear in the Torah. And here we have a very concise, very concise uh, description of them. So let's just read here. It tells us, Shalosh Regalim Tachogli Vashana. Okay, we have to celebrate, if that's the best translation for Tachog, Shalosh Regalim. Probably from the word Regal. Because we walk to Yerushalayim. Eventually, it's going to be to Yerushalayim. Here we're still in the Midbar. Shalosh Regalim. What are the Shalosh Regalim? Et Chag HaMatzot Tishmor. Chag HaMatzot Tishmor. What does that mean? The Torah tells us, Shivat Yamim Tochal Matzot Kashet Tzibiticha. Eat Matzot for seven days. Limoed Chodesh HaAviv. Kivo Yatsatem Mitzvah. Okay, so when are we supposed to do this? Chag HaMatzot, it's called Chag HaMatzot, and what do we do on Chag HaMatzot? We eat Matzot for seven days. When? Lemoed Chodesh HaAviv. At the time of the month of Aviv. In a minute we'll talk about what Aviv means. Kivo Yatzatem Yimitzrayim. Why? Why Chodesh HaAviv? Why not do Chag HaMatzot in some other time of year? Kivo Yatzatem Yimitzrayim, that's when you left Mitzrayim. Good. That's what I expected. The next one it says, V'chag HaKatsir. What does Chag HaKatsir mean? Not collect. Katsir, when you reap, okay? He's British. Uh, Americans would say when you cut it, right? Um, um, right. Chaga Katsir refers to the beginning of the harvest when one reaps, when one cuts the, the grain. It says, Hakatsir bikurei ma'asecha. The first bikurim which is related to the word Bechor, right? The beginning of the harvest. Asher Tizra Basadeh. So we have a Chag HaMatzot in Chodesh HaAviv, which we still have to figure out what Chodesh HaAviv means. We'll get back to that in a minute. Chag HaKatsir, the festival of reaping. Bikurei Ma'asecha, when one begins to reap from the field. Asher Tizra Basadeh. That which you planted in the field, the beginning of the reaping is Chag HaKatsir. And now we have one more. Chag HaAsif. The festival of, of gathering. Okay? Both Katsir and Asif refer to the harvest. I'm not sure which one should be called the harvest festival because the Katsir is the beginning of the harvest and the Asif is the end. Betzetashana. Chag HaAsif Betzetashana. At the end of the year, be'ospecha, as you gather at Masechem and Asadeh, shalosh panim b'shana, yerae kol zechurcha et penei hadon adonai. Okay, so we have these shalosh regalim, and we're told at the end what it means, that all of us, or at least the men, kol zechurcha, 
have to come and be seen, Yerah, at Pnei Hashem. We have to go to wherever God's presence rests, which eventually is going to be Yerushalayim. So first of all, if we compare this to what you just told me, none of the names you told me, Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot, are here. Pesach is maybe a little bit similar to the idea of Chag HaMatzot. We'll see in a minute that those are not exactly the same thing, but okay, at least there's some connection between Pesach and Chag HaMatzot. But we don't have Shavuot, we have Chag HaKatsir, we don't have Sukkot, we have Chag HaAsif. And what are these Chagim about? So one of them mentions Yitziat Mitzrayim, but the other two don't. And they don't mention Matan Torah, they don't mention anything else. What's Chag HaKatsir? Bikurei Masecha. It's the beginning of the harvest. And what's Chag HaAsif? It's the end of the harvest. These are agricultural holidays. That's what they are. Now in order to understand what these are, don't worry, the Yitziat Mitzrayim stuff will come, and all the other things you mentioned, they're there. But first we have to understand this. To understand this, we have to go back. Our ancestors were farmers. Anybody here a farmer? Nobody? I worked with bees for a while. Not even, what was that? I worked with bees for a bit. You worked with bees. All right. What was that? Your husband likes to think he's a farmer. Is, is he right? I mean, we have like a jungle on our Okay. So we have an urban farmer. Or at least one who likes to think he is. Maybe he really is. We'll see. You worked in a kibbutz, doing what? Uh, with Primonim and Ah, you actually worked. Ah, I thought you were going to tell me I worked in the laundry or something. <laughs> okay, so, we, so you were a farmer a little bit. Okay. Our ancestors were almost all farmers. And uh, today, only 1% of us are farmers here in, in Midnight Israel. Um, in order to understand this, you have to understand, you have to put ourselves back... There is a message for us non-farmers too, but first we have to understand, put ourselves into that mindset of a farmer, and you have to understand a little bit about the agricultural cycle in Eretz Yisrael. This will connect back to the whole door door. Don't worry, you just got to stay with me. Here's quickly how it works. Okay, in Eretz Yisrael, in other parts of the world it works differently. Here, as I assume you all know, it never rains in the summer. The rains are more or less over now. It could still rain a little bit, in April, May, might, in summertime, no rains at all. And therefore, the, 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 there's no summer crops here. Uh, in North America, for example, there are two wheat crops. They, they grow, there's winter wheat and summer wheat, but that doesn't exist in Israel. Um, so how does it work? Here's how it works. Here's the agricultural cycle briefly. The agricultural cycle begins, if you're a farmer, you begin your year after Sukkot. You go out after Sukkot, before the winter rains, and you plow the fields, you plant your seeds, if you're growing field crops, if you're growing grain. If you have fruit trees, then you may have to prune them and do other things to get ready. And then you pray. Because everything's going to depend on whether it rains or not. In Eretz Yisrael, it depends on rain. That's the farmer's job in the winter, mostly, is to pray. There's a little bit of work in fields, but that's mostly what he does. Um, it rains. And then we get to the Aviv. Now in modern Hebrew, if I ask you to tell me what Aviv is, you'll tell me Aviv is spring. spring. And that's not a bad translation, because Chodesh Aviv is now, and this is the spring. Does anyone know what the word Aviv actually means? Aviv? Freedom? I didn't Freedom? Freedom? Not at all. Sorry. Not at all. Aviv actually refers to, uh, it's an agricultural term. You can find this in the Torah. 
in uh, here's a connection <laughs> to Yitzhak Mitzrayim a little bit. Makat Barad, okay. Um, in Mitzrayim, there was um, hail, right? And uh, it tells us at the end of Parshat Vaera, Vaera, and. Um, it's Perek. Um, yes, Perek Tet. Um, Pasuk. Pasuk. Um, Lamed Aleph. So what happened? It was Makat Barad. It happened. It was hail. Okay? Perkta Pasuk Lamed Aleph tells us, Hapishta V'asora Nukata. The flax from which they make clothing and the Seora, the barley, Nukata, were hit, were damaged. From the word Makat. Why? Ki Seora Aviv V'apishta Giv'o. We'll translate those words in a minute. But the wheat, and kusemet, I think we translate as uh, buckwheat, okay. Lonuku, they were not damaged, because they are later. The barley ripens earlier than the wheat. And that's what aviv means. It means the ripening of the grain. Um, those of you from the United States, they used to sing about amber waves of grain, right? You know what I'm talking about? I was just on a tour in the tour guide. I just took my students last week on a tour up in the north. And this is the nicest time of year in Israel in the north. If you want to go on a tour, everything's green, everything's beautiful. That's going to change. It's starting to change already. And because the, the rains have stopped. And the green is starting to turn yellow and brown. Now, when you're hiking, that's not as pretty. It's not as enjoyable. But if you want to eat it, it's much better. Okay, we can't eat the green. Uh, there's too much moisture in it. Right? We need amber waves of grain. We need them to dry out, uh, and then we can harvest them. So in Mitzrayim, Aviv, the Seora, which ripens earlier, was already stiff and dry, and was damaged by the Barad. The Barad fell, and all the, all the Seora got broken, and the, the, the barley crop in Egypt was ruined. But the Chita, the Chita survived because it was still, the Chita ripens later, and it was still moist, so the stalks of, of wheat weren't damaged by the Barad. What the Torah's point is, but then the Arber is going to come and it's going to take care of the wheat too. That's the point the Torah is making here. But what's important for us, that's the next Makkah, right? After Barat. But what's important for us is that Aviv means, so yes, it's the spring. But why is it called Aviv? Because that's the month when the grain begins to ripen. And if you're a farmer, that's when you say, oh, things are starting to wake up. Okay? Chag HaMatzot happens in the Aviv. Talk about Chagamatzot more in a minute, but let's let, let's talk about this now. What's there to celebrate if you're a farmer in Aviv? We'll get to the Omer in a minute. You're okay, you're going to start to work, but that's not a time that you're actually celebrating. No. Meaning, the farmer at this understand something. The farmer is very nervous. He was he was nervous in the fall because if it wasn't going to rain, he's in big trouble. Baruch Hashem, it rained. But he's not, he's not out of the woods yet. Not at all. Okay, you're correct. He's getting ready to start working. Yeah, crop is very vulnerable. Extremely vulnerable. Okay? 
he now needs, over the next few weeks, the crop is going to start to ripen. And each different crop, it also depends where in the country you are, different altitudes, he's going to have to harvest it. When he harvests this crop, he needs it not to rain. If it rains during the harvest, it can ruin the whole crop. It'll, it'll, it'll rot. Or there can be, uh, the locusts can come, or other pests, or thieves can come. That's a huge danger. You work all year, you harvest your crops, and then some guy comes with a truck and takes it all away. When Ruth went to meet Boaz, where was he? Sleeping in the field. What's he doing? He doesn't have a house? Exactly. That's exactly what he was doing. During the harvest, you sleep in the field because you've got to make sure the Ganavim don't come. Okay, so this is a time of year when it's not, actually not so much about celebrating. It's more about tefillah. It's also a time of year when the farmer has the, or when people in general have the least amount of food. Today, we don't understand this. I just was in a shir yesterday with Rav Yol Binun, who I have the privilege of studying with uh, every Shabbat. He made this point just yesterday. Um, we, we don't understand this. We live in a world where there are ships that bring things from across the oceans to us. We go into the supermarket. Okay, if you're living off of the land, we're almost ready to harvest next year's crops. What do we have left? All we have left is whatever the last bits of last year's crop. It's a time of year when you have very little food. It's a time of year when it makes sense to eat lechem oni, to eat matzah. And the Torah tells us, Chaga matzot, lemoed chodesh haviv, Okay, so we'll come back to that in a minute. Over the course of the next few weeks, between Pesach and Chag HaKatsir, seven-week period, the grain ripens. The grain ripens. The green turns to, to brown. And um, the barley harvest already started shortly after Pesach. And the wheat harvest begins around, around Shavuot. That's Chag HaKatsir. By the way, that's what, that's what was going on uh, when in, in the Gilat Ruth. They were harvesting wheat. Okay? And then, by the way, just a, just a tidbit, just to show you that uh, the local people here understand this. Um, what do we call it in Israel when it's like really hot and dry in the summer? Sharav. That's the Hebrew word. Hamsin. And the Arabs call it Hamsin. You know what Hamsin means in Arabic? 50. Because there's 50 days between... We, we count 50 days between Pesach and Shavuot. They know that that's how long it takes. Those hot days when the wheat ripens, there's 50 days like that in the year. That's why it's called Hamsin. Okay. So, that's Haga Katsir. And then, after the barley and the wheat harvest, becomes, comes the fruits. Some of the fruits ripen already at the beginning of the summer. Um, some later in the summer. The grapes, let's say, are towards the end of the summer. And by Sukkot, everything is done. And that's Chagasif. There's only one fruit from the local fruits of Eretz We have apples and things like that. But those are not native here. There's only one fruit that's native to Eretz Israel, whose harvest is deep into the winter after Sukkot. And you know what that is? Olives. Olives. And you know when the olive harvest is? Around Hanukkah. Coincidence? I think not. But that's for another shear. That's for a Hanukkah shear. Okay. Um, so, that's the cycle. And the Torah commands the Shalosh Regalim around that cycle. There's a Chag, which we still have to understand why it's even a Chag, because it's a time when there isn't yet anything to celebrate. It's more a time of tefillah than a time of celebration. That's Chag HaMatzot, Lemo'ed Chodesh Ha'aviv. There's Chag HaKatsir, at the beginning of the harvest. And there's Chag HaAsif, at the end of the harvest. 
And that's man simchatenu. If Bezrat Hashem everything goes well, by, by Sukkot, the farmer's, now he's breathing easy. And on Chagas Sukkot, he has, imagine, most people today get paid, in Israel we get paid once a month, if you have like a regular job. And in, in other countries, some people get paid every two weeks, every week. Imagine you had payday once a year. You get your entire salary for the entire year on one day, or one, in one month, let's say. That's exactly what it is to be a farmer. You work for an entire year, and you get your whole salary at the end of the year. Or you're not sure that you will get your salary. And you're not sure you're going to get your salary. That's why the whole year. But when the Bezrat Hashem comes in, you get a good salary. So now you feel, right? This is, that, this is the happiest time of the year. It's the opposite of Pesach. Pesach, there's almost nothing left. Sukkot, right? If, if things went well at least. Sukkot is man simchatim. Okay, so wait a second. What happened to Matam Torah? What happened to... That's what this is about. It did mention, it did mention, and maybe to answer the question, why am I celebrating it all in Chodesh Aviv? But other than that, we have agricultural holidays here. Now let's take a look in Vayikra, Perikhav Gimel, which is the, um, which is the primary place in the Torah, where the, uh, there, there, I skipped some other places where they're mentioned, but let's take a look at this one. We're not going to read every single Pasuk here, but here we have a deeper, um, you know, goes more more into it, and let's see what it says here. Elam Adai Hashem Ekrai Kodesh Shetikuro Tamim Adam. I'm starting from Pasuk Dalid. Before this, we have Shabbat. I'm not I'm not not looking at that right now. We're going to skip Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur also because that's not relevant to us, even though they're there. We're talking about the Shalosh Rugai. So here's Moadai Hashem Ekrai Kodesh. Bechodesh Bechodesh Harishon Be'arba'as Halachodesh Bein Ha'arba'im Pesach Ladonai. In the Torah, there is something called Pesach, and there is something called Chag HaMatzot, and they're not the same thing. For whatever reason, the day that the Torah calls Pesach, the day that the, the, the Chag, that the Torah calls Chag HaMatzot, for whatever reason, already from the time of Chazal, we started calling it Pesach. The day that the Torah calls Pesach, we call Erev Pesach. That's what it says here, black and white. This Friday, the day that we're going to call Eric. Nachon. It's Ben Arbaim. It's actually even stranger. It starts it's only. Not even, it's not even. It's not. You got it, but it's not. It's actually a day that's in between. Rav Yoel has a whole share on that, but uh, that's for another time. But yes, you're correct. Pesach is a day that begins on the 14th of Nisan, Ben Arbaim at Chatzot Hayom. It's a very strange day. It doesn't start at night like every other day. It starts at Chatzot Hayom. That's true. Okay, that's what it's called Pesach. It's the day that we bring the Korban Pesach. It's also the day that we eat the Korban Pesach. And then there's Chag HaMatzot. Okay. So we'll, we'll, that, that strange reality about this day called Pesach we'll put on the side. Let's focus on the Shalosh Regalim. We have Chag HaMatzot L'Hashem Shivat Yemim Matzot Tochelu. Clearly... Exactly the same thing that was mentioned in, in Shmot. It's called Chag Matzot there too, and we're told there also eat Matzot for seven days. Here we get some more details. There's a, there's a, the first day is Yom Tov, the last day is Yom Tov, there's Korbanot every day. That's, and the mitzvah is to eat Matzot. That's what it says. And now we have something else. When you start the harvest, 
So we have to take the Reshit HaKatsir, the very beginning of the harvest, and we have to do it Mimocharat HaShabbat, in the days of the second Beit HaMikdash. There was a huge debate about this. What does it mean, Mimocharat HaShabbat? So many things got messed up because of that, including the fact that to this day in Chutzlars they have to keep two days yamtuf because people were sabotaging the uh, fire signals, telling people where Chodesh is. But our Chazal told us that Mimocharat HaShabbat means... The day after, the first day of, of Pesach, or Chag Matzot, let's say. Okay? The first day, what we would call the first day of Cholomoy, or the second day of Chag Matzot, you have to bring this Korban. And if I'm bringing a Korban from Reshit Katsir, but based on what I explained to you, it's, if, I'm, if the beginning of the harvest is happening at Chag Ha'aviv, so what's, what Katsir is it? What are we harvesting on Pesach? The Sora, the barley. The wheat's not ready yet. Okay, the very first barley crop is ready around around Pesach, and we bring this korban called the korban haomer. And what's the purpose of that? It tells us in the next pasuk: the lechem the kali the charmel lo tochlu ad etzem ayom azeh aravi achemet korban aloichem chukat olam adorochet teichem bechol moshvot teichem. Before you do this, you're not allowed to eat anything from the harvest. What is this? Basically, this is the opening bell. You can't harvest much before Pesach anyway. Maybe a week or two before, three weeks before in some places. The earliest barley, the Mishnayot, talking about how they used to go out looking out in the hills around Yerushalayim to find a little bit of the first grains of barley that were ready. And you bring this as a korban before, before anyone in the country takes anything for themselves. This is what's called chadash, right? The Isur chadash. You're not allowed to eat anything from this year's crop until we bring this korban in the Beit HaMikdash. And that, that permits us to begin eating from this year's crop. So Chag Aviv celebrates the very, very, very beginning. The first grains of barley that we're able to harvest, we bring them, and until we bring them to the Beit HaMikdash, even if somebody managed a couple of days earlier to harvest something, you're not allowed to eat it, until it becomes Yashan, until we bring the Korban Omer. Okay. So now we know a little bit more about Chag HaMatzot. Still the focus here is clearly on Chag Aviv. It's clearly an agricultural holiday. Now it's not even a mention here about Yitziat Mitzrayim. Yitziat Mitzrayim was mentioned in Shemot. It's not even mentioned here. And then it tells us, Usfartem lachem, mi mochorat ha-Shabbat, mi yom haviachem et omerat nufach, sheva shevatot vimotiena. Start counting from that day. And start counting seven weeks. Oh, I know this. We call this Sfirat omer I know what Sfirat omer is. Sfirat omer connects Pesach to Sukkot. What are we counting from? We're counting from... Yitziat Mitzrayim too? Matan Torah, right? That's what they taught you in school. Sefer HaChinuch says that. And maybe it's true. I assume it's true. But the Torah says something else. The Torah doesn't say that. The Torah says you're counting from which day? From the day on which you bring the Korban Omer. And what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to count. Sheva Shabbatot Mimot. Seven full weeks. Right, so count seven weeks, that's 49, and then and then after that is the 50th day. And then what do you do? Matan Torah, right? No. Now it's time to bring another korban. This is what Chazal called the korban. 
which is brought on Sukkah, on Shavuot, I'm sorry. And it's a very special korban, it's made out of chametz, one of only, almost never is chametz brought into Beit HaMikdash. Beit HaMikdash is Kasso Pesach basically all year round. There's only two korbanot that have any chametz at all, and it's never put on the Mizbeach. This is one of those two korbanot, the other one's a korban toda. Um, and that's what, that's what, that's what it is. Chaga Katsir it was called. It's not called Shavuot here either, although the word Shavuot does appear in the Torah. And it tells us that we have to, uh, that it's also a Chag. We skip a few, it tells us the Korbanot that you bring with the, with the Shtei Alechem. And then it says, Ukratem be'etzim ayom azeh, mikra kodesh yelechem, kom melechet avodah lo tasuch, ukrat olam, bechomosh votechem odorotechem. Nothing about Matan Torah. It doesn't say it's my Matan Torah tenu. It says Chag Katsir. And here it tells us it's the day that we bring the Korban Shtei Alechem. You want to ask something? Yeah. Can you repeat what it, the Torah says that we're counting? We count from the day that you bring the Korban Omer which is the barley harvest that we bring on the second day of Chag HaMatzot. From that, you count 49 days. And on the 50th day of a Chag, during which you do what? You bring another korban, the wheat, the wheat, the wheat harvest, the Shtei Alechem. Not a word about Zman HaTan Torah Tehno, not just here, anywhere in the Torah. It never says in the Torah, Shebikhtav, that Shavuot is about Matan Torah. Now, Chazal figured it out. And it's very clear from the Torah that the Torah was given on or very close to Chag HaShavuot. We can't say exactly, because first of all, there's a machlok at the psukim. It's clear that, that, in the, that it's a few days into the third month, which is what we call Sivan. We observe Shavuot on the sixth day of Sivan. There's machlok in the Gemara, how to read the psukim, where the Matan Torah happened on the sixth of Sivan or on the seventh of Sivan. But actually, Shavuot doesn't have a date anyway. Shavuot is count is what happens. You count forty nine days, and the fiftieth day after the second day of Pesach is is Chag Shavuot. On our calendars, that always comes out on the sixth of Sivan. But in the days when we used to determine and bait and determine the month by by the new moon, so it could be off by a day or two. But it's clear that Matan Torah happened either on Shavuot or within a day of Shavuot, one way or the other. Okay, so Chazal didn't make this up out of nowhere, but the Torah doesn't spell it out. And therefore we say in our tefillah, Zman Matan Torah Tehno. I'm not saying that that's not what Shavuot is about. I'm saying the Torah doesn't say that. The Torah says that Shavuot is about the Katsir. And it's the day that we bring the Korban Shtei Alechem, which is the parallel or the second stage of what we started with the Korban Omer. And the, she- and, the, and the 49 days of counting, according to the Torah, are not between Yitziat Mitzrayim and Matan Torah, even though that's exactly the, the time period between Yitziat Mitzrayim and Matan Torah. But the Torah says that what we're doing is we're counting from the Korban Omer to the Korban Shtei Alechem. Okay, now we get to the third one. So after this, I, 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 we're going to skip now. After this in the Torah comes Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which is part of the list of the Moadim. But it's not what we're talking about now. So we're going to skip now to Pasuk Lamed Gimel. By the Baron Lamed Moshe Lemor, the Baron Bnei Yisrael Lemor, Bachamisha Asal Al-Chodesh Hashvi, Hazechag HaSukot. Ah, now it's not called Chag HaSik, now it's called Chag HaSukot, Shivat Yamin Ladonai. You have a chag on the first day. Shivat yamim takrivu ishel Adonai bayom hashmini mikra kodesh. Okay, so yelachem bikraftem ishel Adonai atzeriti kom lechet avodah lo tasu. So we have something similar to chag matzot. It's seven days. There's a chag at the beginning, a chag at the end. Only here the chag at the end is not the seventh day. It's an eighth day that's added on afterwards. A little different, but similar. Ela moadei Adonai asher tikru otam mikra kodesh lakrivisha. The whole thing is about korbanot, but then it tells us 
After that, Ach b'chamisha sayom l'chodesh ashvi be'os b'chem at ruat ha'aret. Ah, so here it connects back to what it said in Shmot. Here it calls it Chag HaSukot. There it called it Chag HaSif. But here it tells us that it happens be'os b'chem at ruat ha'aret. during the time that you're gathering in the crops. Tachogu et Chag HaShem Shivat Yamim. And it tells us uh, that there are two mitzvot. The first is the Arba Minim, which we won't talk about now. And then it tells us, Basukot Teshvu Shivat Yamim. That one of the mitzvot we have to do on this chag is to live in a sukkah. Why? So that you remember that when you came out of Mitzrayim, you lived in Sukkot. Ah! That's what we said at the beginning. Something's here. Okay. So now let's, let's put this together. I asked you in the beginning, what are these chagim? And you all told me, we all know. Pesach is Yisya Mitzrayim, Shavuot is... Matan Torah, Sukkot is to remember the Sukkot that we lived in the Midbar. We looked at the Torah, and the Torah doesn't exactly say that. It says some of it, most of it. But the Torah seems to emphasize much more that these Chagim are agricultural holidays. They also are connected, though, to Yitziat Mitzrayim and to, and, to, and to Matan Torah. It does tell us that Pesach, or Chag HaMatzot, is Kivro Yatzatam in Mitzrayim. It tells us explicitly that Chag HaMatzot is about that. On Sukkot, it does tell us that we're living in Sukkot because Leman Yedu Doroteichem Kiva Sukkot Oshati Ben Yisrael Shavuot, it never tells us that it's about Matan Torah, but if you read carefully, it's the exact same day or maybe a day before or after the day of Matan Torah, so it seems that there should be a connection. And therefore, what we're clearly looking at is that Ma'arechet is a system with two levels. There's two things going on here. Now, because we're not farmers, and for most of our history, we haven't, it's only recently we came back here. For most of our history, we were living in other parts of the world where the whole cycle was different anyway. So we kind of forgot about this. And we focused on the stuff that was relevant at any time and anywhere in the world. We focused on the historical aspect of these mitzvot. For our ancestors who were farmers, this was the main thing. Now let's understand what the Torah did. The Torah took... Well, let's start with this, okay? The idea of Chag HaAviv, Chag HaKatsir, and Chag HaAsif, something like it, is something that could and perhaps should be done, not just by a Jew in Eretz Israel, but any human being who believes in God anywhere in the world. Not on those dates necessarily if you're living elsewhere in the world. But, and not necessarily in the exact same way, but the idea, right, that we recognize that we're dependent on Hashem, that we don't take things for granted, that we pray and ask for assistance, and that when we are blessed with success, we say thank you, that before we take anything, we give bikurim, Right before I take anything for myself, I give a little bit symbolically back to Hashem to acknowledge that it's not mine. That's something that any human being anywhere in the world should be able to do. And the Torah commands us to do that. It gives us a specific format. But the idea is universal. And then the Torah says, but while you're doing that, I want you to connect it to something else. Chag hamatzot shivat yamin you're thinking right now, perhaps, you're a farmer. What's on your mind is the fact that the winter's over, it's 
the, 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 it's time to start with the harvest. There's a lot of work to be done. This is a very tense time of year. If things go well, things will go well. And if God forbid they don't, they won't. And unlike for the last few months when your job is basically be to stay in your house and pray, now you have work to do. Torah says, Dafka now. Chagamatzot. By the way, this is the time you came out of Egypt. Did it just happen to happen now? Or is there a connection? But this is what happened now. Chagamatzot. Seven weeks later, there's Chag Katsir, which just so happens to be the day of Matan Torah. And, and then we come to Chag Sukkot or Chag Asif. Now, Chag Asif, we sit in the Sukkah, right? We sit in the Sukkah to remember also Yitzhak Mitzrayim. But unlike what we commemorate on Pesach and on Shavuot, when did that happen? 40 years. For 40 years, right? It doesn't have a date. Chagamatzot commemorates an event that happened on a certain date. Zman Matan Torateinu commemorates an event that happened on a certain date. The Sukkah commemorates a whole time period. It doesn't have a date. So why on Shavuot? Why on Sukkot? But like the work, the walk in the Midbar, she didn't have been like 40 years initially. But it was in the end. And... And it didn't happen on Sukkot particularly. And by the way, had things gone differently, we might have been in Eretz Yisrael by four Sukkot. Right? Had things really worked out quickly? Had everything gone the way it was supposed to? It's not even clear it should have taken seven weeks to get to Har Sinai. That's unclear. But even if it did, how long does it take to get from... How long does it take to get from Har Sinai? Eleven days. It says so in the beginning of Sefer... In Sefer... In Sefer Dvarim. So that's literally the end. That's Shmiyat Sarah. Right. Yeah. 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 Sin, we might not. We might have been in Eretz Yisrael even before. All I'm pointing out is nothing happened on Sukkot that's being commemorated. What's being commemorated on Sukkot could have been commemorated at any point during the year. Why does the Torah tell us to live in the Sukkah on Sukkot? Because it's Chag Asif. Because at the time of year when we have all this money finally, and we're finally able to to relax and to celebrate. Wow, Baruch Hashem, we made it. Look at all this money. Zman Sim Chatenu, the Torah says celebrate and go out to a sukkah. Yeah, that house that you can now afford, now you were worried you were going to have to default on your mortgage, and now you have the money to pay the mortgage, and you even went out and bought, you know, some new furniture, whatever. It'll be there next week too. Leave that house. Go out to a sukkah. And remember, Naman Yidu Dotechen Kiba Sukkot, Hoshavti at B'nai Israel. It wasn't always like this. You didn't always have a roof over your head. And you know what? You didn't have a roof over your head. It was okay. Because I was there protecting you. Now you have a roof over your head. You're in Eretz Yisrael. Realize that that's where that roof comes from. After Sukkot, you can go back in. That's called Shemini Atzeret. You go back into the house. And you celebrate in the house. So what's the Torah doing? The Torah is taking those Chagim that any human being should be able to celebrate and connect them to God. Taking that universal human experience and saying, if you're a Jew in Eretz Israel, you have to understand that these all have to connect back to something much deeper. And now I want to show you something else. Turn to Dvarim. 
Perik Chavav, Pasuk, um, Pasuk Hey for a minute. We'll go back to the beginning in a second, but just tell me if these sounds familiar. Tell me if this sounds familiar. Arami Bring a bell. From the Haggadah, right? Okay, yes. We read these psukim in the Haggadah. We actually, not just read, the Doresh says the Mishnah. We actually interpret these psukim. It's a whole section of the Haggadah. This is the part of the Haggadah that people get lost. Because we're talking about all these, it sounds like all kinds of random things that don't have anything to do with each other. If you understand, some Haggadah, they make it easier for you. They like use like colors and they print it in such a way that you can see what's going on there. There's four psukim. Let's start from Aramio Vedavi. If you have the sheet that I sent that I printed, I bolded them on the sheet that I made there. Um, and what we do is we interpret these psukim using Midrashay Chazal, phrase by phrase. But here's the thing. Those psukim appear in the Torah in a different context entirely. So now let's go back to the beginning of the, of the parak and let's see what this is about. Vaya, ki When you go into Eretz Israel, velakachta meireshit ko pri adama. You have to take the first fruits that grow in your field and place them in a basket and take them to the Beit HaMikdash. What do we call this? First fruits? Bikurim. Bikurim is usually associated with what holiday? Okay, yes. Shavuot is people associated in their minds with Shavuot and the Torah does call, not in the Pesukim we read, in, in uh, Bamidbar, I believe, the Torah refers to Shavuot as Chag Bikurim. But there's also Bikurim on Pesach. We already read it. The Omer is a form of Bikurim, right? And most of the Bikurim that we're talking about here are f- the fruits. You can bring Bikurim to the Beit HaMikdash from your private fields beginning on Shavuot. But most of the Bikurim are brought on Sukkot. Because most of the fruits, right, if you have barley and wheat... So the Bikurim for barley and wheat is brought on, maybe, if it's ready, you can bring it on Shavuot. But all the fruits, the grapes and the figs and the pomegranates and all that, those are brought on Sukkot. Okay, so the idea is you take the first fruit from the Shivan Ninim. Each farmer has to do this. The very first things that start to ripen, you mark them, you can tie a ribbon around it or something, and then you take those. The same thing that we do on a national scale, when we bring the Korban Omer and then the Shtei Alechem, we don't take anything for ourselves until we bring some to Hashem. So each person has to do that too, from each crop. Okay? Put it in a basket, bring it to the Beit HaMikdash. The Kohen takes it and he places it down next to his Mizbeach. That's called Hava'at Bikurim. Bring in the Bikurim. Okay, and now you've done a mitzvah. You took your bikurim, you took the first fruits, and you brought them to Beit Mikdash. Now there's a second mitzvah, what Chazal call mikra bikurim. You're not done. You brought the bikurim. Now you do the following. Vanita damarta lifnei Adonai Elohecha, Arami Oved Avi, Vayered Mitzrayim Avayagor Sham Bimteimat Vayisham Legoi Gadol Atzum Barav. My ancestor, you talk about Yaakov Avinu when he was in the house of Lavan, and then afterwards he went to Mitzrayim. And it was only a small amount of them, but then they became a large nation in Mitzrayim. The Mitzrayim were bad to us, and they made us suffer. 
By new Avinu Avodah Kasha, we had to work hard. We suffered, we cried out to Hashem, He heard our cries and He saw our suffering and our pain and our pressure. He took us out of Mitzrayim with a strong hand and an outstretched arm and signs and wonders. In the standard text of the Haggadah, it ends here. What we do on Pesach. There are people who read the next Pesach also, because when we bring Bikurim, there's another Pesach. It doesn't end there. He took us out of Mitzrayim. And he brought us to this place, Eretz Yisrael. And now So what do those Pesukim do? They tell the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. That's why we use these psukim at the Seder. But we're told to tell that story when? When we bring Bikuri. What's the Torah doing here? Same thing it did with the, everything about the Shalosh Regalim. There are two mitzvot, right? Hava'at Bikuri. You bring the Bikuri to the Beit HaMikdash. And then Mikra Bikuri, we recite that passage. Now, the first idea of Hava'at Bikuri, again, any human being in the world who believes in God should do something like that. doesn't necessarily have to be in that exact format, but the idea that's expressed by Bikurim, before I take something for myself, I give something to, back to Hashem to acknowledge that it's not mine. I recognize where this came from. That's a universal point that any human being should be able to do. The Torah tells us to do that. But then the Torah says, it can't stop there. You could be a farmer in Russia, you could be a farmer in Argentina, you could be a farmer in the Midwest of North America. You should be able to understand that your food came from God. But if you're a Jew in Eretz Yisrael, the basket of fruit that you're holding, so much deeper than that. Of course, it's your food and it came from God. But do you understand what's in this basket of fruit? The story of this basket of fruit starts with Yaakov Avinu. Arami Oved Avinu. Yitzian Mitzrayim. Vayvienu ala makom hazeh. I'm standing here bringing these fruits to Yerushalayim. I'm standing here in the Beit HaMikdash. My ancestors were told this was going to happen. All of history is in this basket of fruit. That's a whole second dimension that the Torah commands us to do. And that's basically the, the lesson of all the Shalosh Regalim. That's what the Torah is doing when it's taking the day-to-day life of the farmer and marking the various points in that cycle and telling him to express what he... He's not necessarily thinking about Yitzhak. He's thinking about his crops. He's working to support his family. And there are points where he has to say, now's when I have to pray. Now's when I have to begin to say thank you for what I've gotten so far and pray for more. And at Chagah Asif, now I'm really happy. This is when I have to totally celebrate. In the Beit HaMikdash, and pour water on the Mizbeach, that's for a whole other shear, but that's also connected everything. And every step of the way. But realize, it's not just about the here and now. This goes back to Yitzhak Mitzvah. I'll tell you another time we, do, we, we recognize this. Birkat HaMazon. Every time a person eats, every time a Jew eats, Birkat HaMazon. Now the Birkat HaMazon that we say has several parts. There's three brachot that are from the Torah. Then there's a fourth bracha that the rabbis added, and then there's those 
sentences beginning with Harachaman that were added later. But the main part of Birkat Mazan that's from the Torah has three brachot, right? The first one begins, Hazan et Olam Kulo Betuvo and ends, Baruch Atah Hashem Hazan et Hakol. And then there's a second bracha, Nodelecha. And it ends, Baruch Atah Hashem Ala Aretz V'Yala Mazon. And then there's a third bracha that begins, Rachem, Ayisrael Amechad Ayishalayim Yerech, and ends, Baruch Atah Hashem Bonei Barachem Avi Yerushalayim. And then we say Amen after our own bracha to indicate that that's the end of the main part of Birkat Mazon, and the next bracha is added. There as well, what's the first bracha? Hazanet haolam kulo b'tuvo b'chem b'chesed v'rachamim baruch atah Hashem hazanet hakol. Any human being in the world should be able to say that bracha. It's universal. Any person we should be able to say some form of, and people do, baruch Hashem, people from all religions, if they're monotheists, at least they say some kind of grace or whatever they call it, in whatever words, but that's the idea that they're expressing. Baruch Hashem And the Torah commands us to say the same thing, but the Torah says, don't stop there. No delecha. Al shenchalta lamutenu eretz. Chemda tova rechava. Even if the bread you ate is, comes from America because you're living in America or something, you're supposed to, the ideal situation is that the Jews living in Eretz Israel, and even if you're not living in Eretz Israel, you think about that. And you mentioned the Brit in the Torah that brought us here. And from that we think about what's it all about. Right? I, I, I just ate my sandwich. I just ate my sandwich. I was hungry. I ate pizza, right? I was hungry before now. I, I had that pizza. I'm not hungry anymore. Thank you. Hazana Takol. But this isn't just any pizza. This is pizza that was made. This pizza was probably made with grain imported from somewhere else, but because that's what we do in Israel today mostly. But in principle, in theory, right? It comes from this. This is a Jew in Eretz Israel. The, the land you gave us. The, and, and, what, and we got this land because of the Brit and the Torah. And what's that supposed to be about? That's supposed to lead us to something even greater. We start talking about Rachem al Yisrael Mishkan Kvodech. We're dreaming of the Beit Hamikdash, Malchut Beit David. We're thinking about the Mashiach. Bonei Every time I eat a sandwich, I have to remember that I'm a Jew. That this sandwich is part of my day-to-day life here. But me living here and now, I'm part of something that started with the Avot, with Yitzhak Mitzrayim, with Matan Torah, and that's meant to bring the world to Geula. This is meant to bring it back, a rebuilt Yerushalayim, Beit HaMikdash, Malchut Beit David. Every time we eat a sandwich, we're supposed to connect ourselves to all of that. That's what Bikurim is. That's what the, that's what the whole Pesach Seder is about. At the Pesach Seder also, we don't stop with Yitzhak Mitzrayim. We say a bracha, asher ge'alanu, v'ge'alat avotein mitzrayim, and it continues with the tefillah, ke'en yagenu, ke'en Hashem al-kenu yagenu, l'mo'adim v'l'regalim acherim, t'smechim b'vinyani recha, sasim b'vodetecha. At the end of the meal, we open the door for Eliyahu Navi. He doesn't really come and drink from your cup, by the way. It's, 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 it's a very sweet thing to tell children, but there's something much deeper about that. The kos shel Eliyahu is the kos of Eliyahu who's announcing the Mashiach. It's the fifth cup that we're not drinking yet. Most people don't drink it. There are those who do. It's a discussion in the Gemara even. But we pour the cup. The cup for the future, Geula. It's all there. And now we can return to our original question. What does it mean, Bechol Dor Vedor Chayav Adam Lerotet Atzmoki Yilhu Yatsami Mitzrayim? The answer is in the Haggadah. The child asks the four questions and we give him, the, the very beginning of the answer we give him is, Avadim Ha'inu L'Paro B'Mitzrayim. Ha'inu Hashem Elkeinu Misham B'Yad Chazakav Zeron Etuya. Right? What, Manishtana, he asks what's different, and we tell him, well, you know, this happened. But then we say something else. Had Hashem not taken our ancestors out of Mitzrayim, had we not been taken out of Egypt, we would still be slaves to Paro. 
What does that mean? And we never, we'd still be slaves. If, if you see how the time happened, you didn't happen, you and I would be slaves to Paro now? Is there a pharaoh in Egypt anymore? There's a guy, Assisi, and he doesn't exactly have slaves. What does that even mean? Like, what? Oh, I don't know exactly. Like a state of mind? State of mind? Okay, maybe. Like psychologically we'd still be enslaved? I'll tell you what I think it means. And, and this works a little bit with what you're saying also. What would have happened had Yitzhak Mitzrayim not happened? Basically, what would have happened to us? We would have remained slaves and eventually whatever happened to the rest of the Egyptians would have happened. Am Yisrael's history would have ended there. We would still be there. We would still be... The history of Am Yisrael that started with Am Yitzchak and Yaakov would have ended with slaves in Egypt. We'd be stuck there. Am Yisrael would still be in the history books. Avadim Leparo B'Mitzrayim. If you and I are here today, and especially if you and I are here today in Eretz Yisrael, it's because of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. This is not like the nace of Hanukkah, the nace of Purim. Those are important events that happened, but not this. Yitzhak Mitzrayim happened to us. We wouldn't be here without it. We wouldn't exist without it. It's our identity, it's who we are. And it's not just our identity, it's also our destiny. Just like we say in Birkat Amazon. It starts with the sandwich I'm eating now, which takes me back to the fact that I'm in Eretz Yisrael and where that comes from, or the Bikurim that we bring and takes me back to Yaakov Avinu, and it's headed towards Uvenei Yerushalayim, it's headed towards that Koshal Eliyahu. This is a whole different way of looking at the world, a whole different way of looking at life. It's a whole different way of looking at Torah and Mitzvot. I, I know, I'm over time, I'm, I'm wrapping up Torah, one more sentence. You ask, um, you ask many Jews, many very, very religious Jews, why you keep Mitzvot? A lot of people say things like, I keep mitzvot because, you know, we're supposed to keep mitzvot so we can get into olam haba. You ever hear that one? Now, I, I'm not saying that there aren't, or, or, or so that we'll get reward, or, or, or whatever. We believe in olam haba. And, but, the purpose of, when you look at the world this way, and I think the message that, that we're being told is, a person is supposed to see himself or herself, my personal life is part of a chain. It's part of a chain that began with the Avot and with Yitzhak Mitzrayim, with Matan Torah, and it's meant to bring the story of, of Am Yisrael, which is meant ultimately to lead to the redemption of Am Yisrael and the entire world, and I have my little place to play in that story. And that's what the Shalosh Regalim are meant to teach us, right? When it takes the day-to-day life that we're going through and it connects it to that story, it's also what the Mitzvah Bikurim, Der Katimazon, there are other examples also. And it's the message that we are meant to re- invigorate ourselves and our children with every year on Pesach as well. The whole door of a door, Chayav Adam, the Rote Tatzmok, Yiluhu, Yatsam, Yitzvay. So, you're at home that we should be able to, uh, to internalize that and to really, really see ourselves thinking, even if we've never been to Egypt, like we came out of Mitzvah. Thank you. Thank you.